Well, welcome to Off the Record with Randall. Howie Cheney joins me. Howie, this show, I was thinking about it coming on. This show is the most schizophrenic show on YouTube and iTunes right now. We go from high school football to pro wrestling, back to high school football, to professional sports, back to just anything and everything. We are all over the map, but it's off the record, Randall, and then you've joined me, but that's what I intended to be. It's kind of my life in a thumbnail, you know? It's all the stuff I love. Yeah, this podcast is kind of like being bipolar. You never know what you're going to get. Uh, but, well, let's go ahead and say tonight we had one thing planned, uh, and at the last minute, I came up with a booking ideal, and our friend Jam is going to join us Monday night. Now, we intended this for the last week or so to be our Falcons draft review, but with Jam joining us next week for the special draft review, it really doesn't make sense for us to sit here and go pick by pick through the draft. Then we're going to talk about it with Jam. So we decided to do something a little different tonight. We both love Atlanta sports. Now, we're going to talk about the draft, folks. We're going to talk about the Falcons a lot. But we're also going to touch base with the Braves and the Hawks and kind of the direction of Atlanta pro sports right now. Howie, uh, we both, uh, and I know there's a soccer team. I'm sorry. I don't know who the soccer team even is. But we both live, die, and breathe. The Hawks, the Braves, the Falcons—it's our our teams. Go ahead. Yeah, the soccer teams, Atlanta United. Can't forget them because they uh, <clears throat> they brought home the cup just a couple years ago in their first year of existence to bring a championship to Atlanta for the first time in what twenty years, I think it was. Eh, eh. Soccer. Hey, well, eh. hey, until you actually go into a game, don't don't. Discard it because I'm not discarding it. I'm just giving it a. Eh. I, I wasn't real sure about it either, and we went uh, the second year they was in existence, and I enjoyed going to it and <clears throat> participating in it more than I do Falcons games. So let me give you my problem with all this. The reason I can't support the NHL, the reason I can't get into soccer. I live, breathe, and die Atlanta Atlanta Braves. And Falcons, a mild fan of the Hawks. I live and breathe and die the Tennessee Balls, football, basketball, baseball. I live and breathe AEW wrestling. My card is pretty booked up, buddy. Oh, no. I mean, I understand. It's just, uh, you know, I can't tell you what the record is right now for the Atlanta United for nothing. It's just a fact of, when you go in person and, and watch it and experience that, it's totally a totally different experience than anything I've ever witnessed. And uh, it's just fun going and watching. I, well, I, I don't know the rules. I've never thought about the rules. Don't know the rules. I just know they're running around kicking the ball everywhere. But it's uh, fun going and participating in all the activity. Well, it's, uh, it's strange. One of the things I was going to bring up is there's no NHL in Atlanta. And, and Howie, I, I think Atlanta is the largest city in the U.S. that doesn't have a hockey team. Two failed hockey teams in Atlanta. Now hockey 
one of the hottest sports in America. Atlanta is a very transitional city, meaning there's a lot of people from all over the country and even the world in Atlanta. But it just really never meshed with Atlanta. Uh, Do you have any feelings about it? Would you go watch a couple of games a year or what? Yeah, I'd probably go watch one or two a year just go and see what it's like. Everybody says hockey's fun to go watch, but I've – you know, I've never really watched it. I watched it a little bit on TV, but they say it's so much better in person. I've watched the Birmingham, uh, I think it was Bulls, uh, minor league hockey. And I went years ago when it was Atlanta Flames and watched the Flames game. Um, it's okay. I'm not a real fan of not knowing what's happening. Uh, yeah. But, I mean, the Nashville Predators are so successful and sell that arena out every night. Uh, there's some there's there's some real loyal fans to this hockey stuff. Yeah, my philosophy on the the uh, Nashville team is that was the first professional team to come to Atlanta. Uh, I'm sorry, to Nashville. And that, I, no, I actually think the Titans were there before the Predators. Were they? Okay. Yeah. Well, they've got two two teams, two professional teams. Uh, they would love to have a college team there, but I'm sorry, but Vandy is not. Much a college team when it comes to football. Uh, basketball's above average, and basketball, they're pretty good. But, you know, there's just certain cities that thrive and want professional sports, and I think Nashville is one of them. A uh, comment come in about hockey. My friend Tim Brown, a huge Nashville, Nashville Predators fan. Randall, we should be talking about hockey right now. The Preds Got their tail whipped Tuesday in the first game of the Stanley Cup playoffs. Back at the ice tonight in Colorado. Game two at 8.30 Central time. Go Prez. How about how about the Beatles Street Bears? Uh, of course, the Grizzlies uh, have played well in the playoffs. And now when we get to basketball, we'll talk about that. Uh, I feel like, uh, and Tim is a prime example of that, my friends that love hockey, it, it, I learn more from them loving hockey than I learn anything. And I do feel like I missed something by Atlanta not having a hockey team. And I know everybody will go, well, just root for Nashville. I'm an Atlanta guy. I root for Atlanta sports teams. It's hard for me to say I'm going to root for the the Nashville Predators. Uh, But, yeah, it's really strange. Maybe we should grab tickets one night and go to a Preds game, just see how we feel about it. Yeah, it could be. You know, Atlanta had the Thrashers there back in the uh, early 90s. Uh, they end up moving off to somewhere in Canada. But the thing about that is I, I think the reason it didn't succeed is because of the Hawks and them sharing an arena. And it was so hard to schedule stuff around that. I will say this about the Predators Arena in Nashville. It is my favorite arena I've been in in the last 20 years. It is wonderful for concerts. I can see how hockey is great for it. It's downtown on Broad Street, straight across the street from Tootsie's. I'm going there tomorrow night. Um, Nobody ever thinks, but Nashville gets everybody. I'll be there tomorrow night to see Megadeth. Lamb of God with my daughter. And uh, I think we should do that one night and just, 
you know, grab a couple of tickets and go, go check out the Preds. Maybe we'll do that. So, uh, Tim, good luck to the Preds tonight. Game two in Colorado on the air at 830 Central Time. Most hockey talk that's ever been on River City Media. They did a whole segment of hockey playoffs with Raj and Robbie last Wednesday night. And then, man, you've done about 10 minutes of hockey. New record for River City Media. <laughs> I do want to go over that, what you said about the Hogs. I do not like that arena for basketball, for hockey. Never saw hockey there, but I just don't like the Atlanta arena. Um, what's it called? I'm trying, I'm wanting to call it the Omni, but <laughs> that's uh, you're talking about State Farm Arena, State Farm Arena, I, I especially for basketball. I like the Omni much better. How about you've been in the State Farm Arena? What do you think about it? The way that it was originally built, I didn't care much about it. <clears throat> but they came through and did a major renovation about three years ago, I think. Maybe four. I've not been in it probably in three years. I've not seen the Hawks since okay. COVID started. Right. So, uh, I'm going to say about three years ago. And since they renovated it, I like it much better. Uh, I remember going to a, a, a game to watch uh, Atlanta and Washington uh, Washington Wizards play. And where we were sitting at, you could not see the scoreboard that's above the half-court area, you know, where you, where the scores and fouls and all that stuff is at. You had to bend down and look under and try to get all that. <clears throat> and I think that's one reason they went through and renovated all of it. And now you – don't have that issue you can actually just anywhere you sit at you can look at it so uh we definitely want to go back i didn't i knew they renovated it but i didn't realize it was three years ago and i've not been back uh, i do want to talk a second about the hawks they have uh, of course on draft night they drafted luca doncha uh traded him immediately for trey young uh luca Doncic is uh top five player in the NBA. Trade Young's probably a top 10 player in the NBA. The trade netted the Hawks another top 12 pick who didn't pan out. And it seems like Atlanta has always got the one superstar and maybe not a lot to go with him. Why can't the Hawks draw free agents to Atlanta? And, and before you say it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say, say my side of it. They should. Atlanta is a very metropolitan NBA city. Atlanta has the hip-hop industry, which is a centerpiece of the NBA. Atlanta has bad ownership, or Atlanta just has – I don't know why. What, what do you think it is? I, I can't answer. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> part of that, what you said, I agree with 100% with the hip-hop and the, the rap industry and – uh, I saw the other night at uh, during one of the timeouts, uh, Ying Yang Twins got out there and performed a uh, like an impromptu concert during one of the timeouts. You can't go to a Hawks game without seeing a celebrity there, as far as hip hop or rap or R&B, somebody like that. <clears throat> but as far as why they can't bring in free agents, I really just I I can't answer that. I don't know why. Uh, they got, I feel like the ownership has it changed hands back a few years ago and they're trying their best. It's just, uh, some of the free agents they did bring, they hoping that would help, didn't help. 
And I think that's kind of hurt them a little bit. It's not the elite guys. It seems like they get the mid-level price guys, though. Right. Um, and, and I was going to make the point, yeah, I actually last Hawks game, not the last game I was at, it, it, I went to several one year, probably 16, 17, had a friend with season tickets. And I saw Big Boy uh, all the time from, uh, uh, what is it? Sorry, Miss Jackson. I am for real. Yeah. Um, there is always a ludicrous or someone at a game. The NBA in Atlanta is super, super expensive, though, Howie. Yeah, you know, I'm wondering if the reason they can't bring in a top free agent is because that one top free agent didn't want to come be the guy. But now with Trey Young being there and uh, Clint Capella being there, John Collins being there, I'm wondering if more people might be looking saying, and I feel like this myself, they're just one player away from making a run for a championship. I, I do like um, I do like John Collins a lot. Uh, Clint Capella is a very mid-level inside post player that's probably upper mid-level. I mean, he's as close. He's not elite, but he's very more than just serviceable. He's a he's a, a he's a good player. I, I look uh, at him as a Ben Wallace type player that goes inside and does the nasty stuff that nobody else is willing to do. Now, yeah, he is. He is exactly that. Uh, they did trade um, a couple of pieces to the, the the Knicks just to clear roster. One of them being a former top ten or fifteen pick. Um, I don't know what their salary situation is, but it seems like they should have some salary in the coming future. And and we didn't even mention. One of my favorite players uh, in Lou Williams mm-hmm. on the on the Hawks, but it seems like the Hawks. I know Trey Young's on a max deal, but it seems like they already have some salary on that team. They do. You know, the NBA is not as like the uh, NFL with a hard salary cap type deal, uh, so they can they can go out and get some players. And um, I feel like this coming, they will if there's any out there available to get. You gotta realize most of the top tier free agents, it's hard hard to get them away from the team that they're playing with, unless you're LeBron James and you go wherever you want to go. But who is a top tier free agent that's actually left their team in the last three or four years? And went to Atlanta. So I mean just period. I mean yeah. other other than LeBron leaving from Miami going to Cleveland to the Lakers. Has there been another top tier free agent that's really left that you would you would want to take a chance on, other than Kevin Durant? But he left when he was injured. It seems like a lot of those guys that are named guys leave: the James Harden, the Russell Russ Brooks, uh, the Kevin Durants. Um, but the elite, elite guys like Julian Babe, uh, those kind of players. They, they get more money for staying. I don't know if everybody realizes a max contract to stay is more than a max contract to leave. Right. So every time LeBron leaves, he leaves money on the table. Uh, so Joel Embiid, and I don't know his contract up 
But if he signs, and it's a significant amount of money, it's like $5 million a year to stay with your original team. Uh, and then, you know, there's players like John Agonis, uh, the Greek freak. No, Milwaukee's not going to let them out of there. Mm. Uh, Kawhi's moved a few times. As I said, it, it, they move, but it seems when it's on the downside of their career. Yeah. Uh, the Hawks were in the Eastern Finals last year and this year out in the first round, so they definitely regressed this year. Yeah, or the, the top tier will go and join up with a buddy that thinks they can win a championship that, that year. Yep. And, you and, know, and that's it, where Trey needs to. Yeah, you took the words right out of my mouth. Trey needs to go out and recruit a couple guys to come in and help him. Uh, and I would say the Hawks will be running for a title. All right, man, let's run over to the Braves and – there's a couple of stories going on with the Braves so far this year. The first one I want to talk about is probably not completely pu- public. And yes, we'll get to Freddie Freeman in a second, but a uh, former Vandy first round pitcher floundered like so many Braves uh, prospects have Kyle Wright, uh, 2017 rookie 2017 to 2021 goes, I think five and nine back and forth from the, minor leagues to the majors multiple times this year howie he uh, and if you need to answer that i can keep talking for a minute this year kyle wright is three and one a sub two era 40 strikeouts five walks kyle wright feels like that missing piece of even off the world championships and again we're talking about the braves being defending world champions but now you have Ian Anderson, Max Freed, uh, Morton, uh, Soroka coming back. But that fifth guy in Kyle Wright, and, and I think he's much better than a fifth guy if he continues to pitch this way, is critical to that pitching staff. Even last year, I felt they were short pitching, winning the World Series. Last year, they won the World Series basically with offense. They just out- Despite of their pitching it sometimes. Yeah, they, they just outscored everybody last year. But that, you know, Kyle Wright coming in, 2017 rookie, like you said, this is his fifth year. They rushed him up to the majors, no yep. minor league stuff. Battle scars like crazy, you know. And if you think about this, this is kind of the way the 90 Braves started out by bringing uh, Smokes and Glavin and, and Steve Avery and all them just you know, bypass the minor leagues, going up to the major leagues, learn, you know, experience by learning or learning by experience. And uh, so this team right here, and you know the offense is going to heat up with the Acuna coming back and uh, Ozuna coming back. You know, they won the World Series without Ozuna and Acuna last year. Yeah, so, yeah. And if they can get – if their pitching will come around – I feel like they've made some major adjustments in the bullpen that could end up being probably one of the best bullpens in Major League Baseball. So, you know, it's still early. A lot of people doubting the Braves right now. But, hey, it's it's May. You don't win the championship. Wait till around July. Then start writing them off if they're not doing good then. They were 500 at the All-Star break last year. I think they were 41 and 40. Uh, Real, real, real quick. Kyle Wright, 
five games this year, three and one, one seven four ERA, thirty one innings pitched, thirty seven strikeouts, and WHIP at point nine seven. Five years previous, twenty nine games, five and nine, five point oh eight ERA, a hundred and one innings pitched, ninety six strikeouts, and a WHIP of one point four seven. So uh, I, I really, I'm excited. I've been out on eBay trying to get all the Kyle Wrights I can get while they're dirt cheap, uh, trying to make a dollar. Um, but also I want to bring up another thing. Um, Matt Olson's hitting about 290, playing well, but a lot of people got their heart broke when Freddie Freeman left Atlanta. Uh, I was kind of bitter towards it. I, I blamed Freddie and, I kind of got roasted on air one night, but if Freddie Freeman wanted to be in Atlanta, he would be making more money after taxes. He would have his fan base, but I think Freddie wanted to be in LA. And unfortunately, I think, um, I won't say it this way. I don't know that Freddie wanted to be in LA. I think Freddie went to the prom and dated, uh, danced with every pretty girl there. And then the girl he brought walked out on him and he was upset and bitter over it. But he always intended to go back to her. How did you feel when Freddie signed with the Dodgers? I think Freddie was probably the most heartbroken out of everybody that Freddie was not back in Atlanta. I think Freddie, right. Freddie ended up going to Los Angeles because I feel like his family wanted to be there more than anything. Yep. Family happy. I think Freddie loved Atlanta. There ain't no thing about it. I know Freddie loves Atlanta. He's got a lot of ties there. And it's just one of those things where he, you know, Chipper Jones flat out told him that I read and Chipper verbally said, and I, you know, I, I heard the clip saying, do not mess around with the Braves. If you want to be there, they will get there. But if you start playing games, you'll be out the door. And I think Freddie thought it wouldn't happen. And then when it did happen, then he ended up with Los Angeles because it all boiled down to, I think, there or wanted to be in Los Angeles instead of Atlanta. Yeah, well, and I think there was family pressure. He plays 15 minutes from where he grew up. Uh, Matt Olson, though, uh, on the other side of it, wanted out of Oakland. It took him 24 hours to get him signed to an eight-year contract. Now, it costs the Braves a lot. Two young arms, Christian Pache and Shay Langoliers, who's going to be an all-star catcher. But there's no doubt as soon as Matt Olson was in Atlanta, there was no negotiation other than here's the offer. Do you want to be in Atlanta? And the Braves made him $128, million, I believe it was. Uh, I... I, I also, I think another one's coming this offseason. I don't see that the uh, the Braves will re-sign Dansby Swanson at shortstop. Uh, I don't see I don't see the Hawks or the Braves paying what Dansby's going to probably want it in this contract. So uh, they have Braden Shoemaker at high double A or at double A, who's probably the shortstop of the future. And I always tell people. Never forget that before, while all this Freddie stuff was going on, the Braves made a pretty serious contract offer to Carlos Correa 
the former shortstop from the Astros. I mean, the Braves were out in the shortstop market this year. Yeah, uh, you know, it, it'll all depend if Dansby learned anything from the Freddie Freeman situation. If Dansby really wants to be in Atlanta, then he'll probably take whatever offer is coming to him. But, you know, he is a, uh, you know, I, I'm not exactly sure where he's from, uh, but, you know, I know he did go to college with Andy and everything. So who knows? He may want to head up that way somewhere and play, play there. But, uh, you know, the, the great thing about the Braves is they have rebuilt their farm system to where they can let some better players go because they know they got somebody to replace them with. Uh, and, and they did take a large portion of that farm system out to get Matt Olson. Uh, one more thing before we get off the Braves and move on. And you already said his name. Uh, it's, well, first, Marcel uh, Azuna, it's, I won't say it's nice to have him back because he put himself in a very bad situation. I hope he learned from his situation. I hope there's not a repeat of his situation. Uh, I'm so torn sometimes when he's back. But, again, the charges were dropped, cleaned up. Um, so you got to go with what the court decided was right. But having Ronald Acuna back is – Everybody wants to say Juan Soto is the best player. Mount Trout's the best player. I, I'll take our guy, and I'll just say, in my heart, he's the best player in baseball. Uh, Ronald Acuna is back, and they're being easy with him. Uh, other night, I noticed he only played one half of a doubleheader. Um, you, you've got to be careful with him, but he is so exciting to watch play, Howie. He is, and, you know, you say they're taking it easy with him, but then again, a week ago tonight was his first game back, and he had two stolen bases in that game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, so, And then he beat out a run out the other day or a, a rundown. He got out of that situation the other day. So, But, you know, you don't know how well or how good that knee is healed up from the surgery and everything. So they, you know. It would be hard for him to play a double header. Yeah. I feel like, you know, uh, being out in the outfield the whole time and all that. Um, you know, they could have probably finagled it around where he could have been a DH, but, uh, you know, it might have been best to just go ahead and let him take that time off. And so, you know, but the Braves has got a great nucleus under contract for the next six years, I think it is, between the Cunha, Albies, and Olsen. Yeah. And then that's yeah. not even or not rookie, but young, young arms and freed and right. And all them. But, uh, Anderson. Yeah. They still got under contract for another year or two. And, and the other thing is while they did clear out the minor leagues, they have a very high, uh, probably a top 30 outfielder uh, in Michael Harris. And they've got a couple more arms down there. Mm -hmm. I feel like they're going to rebuild. And, and the Braves don't necessarily rebuild through the draft. Uh, the Braves have a very Latin American feel to them. Uh, I mean, Albies, Acuna, Azuna. Uh, the Braves worked the international markets. Well, they worked it so well a few years ago, they got kicked out for a year for cheating. But uh, they do work the international market. And Atlanta being a southern city, uh, it's not Miami. It's not sitting on the Caribbean, but 
it's a plane flight to most, you know, it's jump on a plane direct flight to, for all those kids from Caracas, you know, from Atlanta, it's not, you're not flying from Milwaukee to Kansas city, Kansas city to Atlanta, Atlanta to, uh, so it's an attractive site to Latin American players. Yeah, absolutely. You know, uh, a huge Hispanic fan base in Atlanta right now. The Mercedes Benz is hosting a concert, some type of Latino concert, just in the big stadium there. Because yeah, it was the huge. Population has boomed so much, and that's coming up this summer, you know. And so, yep. like you said, that was one of Arthur Blank's selling points to some of these free agents. He would say, Hey, guys, we are in Atlanta, Hartsville International Airport. You can get a non-flight, non-stop flight to anywhere you want to, and that used to be one of his major selling points to getting free agents coming. Yep. But you know, same thing like you're talking about. You know, you can, you can be on a plane in Atlanta and be in Miami, two hours or less. Yeah, I mean, there's only a few. I mean, of course, all the major cities—Chicago, L.A., New York—they have that ability. Uh, Atlanta's lucky to have it. But there's a lot of cities, St. Louis, Kansas City, uh, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh. There's not a ton of international flights out of those places. So I do feel like Atlanta's convenience. And, and let's talk uh, Atlanta to the most uh, probably largest Latino population in the country is in Texas. And the second is in Florida. So, you know, the, there are definitely cultural aspects to it. Uh, I'm looking forward to the Braves getting Soroka back too. I'm I'm rooting for that kid. He's been through a lot. Uh, before we run on to the Falcons, I do want to mention Atlanta. There's a lot of things that we don't necessarily talk about all the time. There is Atlanta Raceway. Uh, it's just outside of Atlanta, and it's a a major hub. Um, they have two NASCAR races a year. Uh, the other the thing I always mention to people about Atlanta sports, I think Atlanta as a city does the best job of any major city getting people in and out of games, Howie. And um, it's really that subway system that provides a different venue. And I know, I know New York's famous for the subway and there's one in LA and there's subways everywhere, but Atlanta's, is really built for sports and the airport. It feels like absolutely because you got a you got two stops there at the uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium slash State Farm Arena that you can get off at, and within a couple of minutes you're walking into the stadium. Yeah, once you get off at either station, either train station, and it's not a hard walk even. I mean, me, I'm handicapped, and I, it's a walk I'm more than capable of making. Right. Uh, the airport, you know, here's your the airport. There, you know, you just get hop off and you're there at the airport. You're at TSA practically. Yeah. Uh, the only downside to it is with Atlanta moving so far out of town up to Marietta, it doesn't help them none up there. But, wow. uh, you know, Atlanta sports, the town is growing sports wise, not only just with the Hawks, the Braves, the the Falcons, the Atlanta United, but they got the Atlanta Dream over there, the WNBA team. Uh, mm-hmm. They're usually in the playoff contention every year. Uh, well, but 
they got the, uh, you know, you got Georgia Tech downtown, our good friend, uh, Clayton Powell, CP3, is going to be playing there this coming season. Uh, you know, and it's just a, you know, I think a train goes right past it. You can get up there and go. Georgia State in the old Turner Field playing those sporting events. Right. You know, there's so much. And then we're not even talking about uh, Emory and Morehouse and all these other schools that are in there as well. You know, so, uh, so Atlanta is booming when it comes to sports-wise. It's just getting big, bigger and bigger every year. Uh, and, Howie, I, I think it's became a major go-to for college football recruiting. Uh, it's always been a large population, but now every year – you see more and more kids. They always talk about the number of kids signed out of California and out of Texas. But Atlanta is becoming, along with Memphis, and I know Memphis is a much smaller city, so I'm not anyway comparing them. But it seems like Atlanta and Memphis both have a hotbed of athletes in them. And every year there is, and I'm not talking about there. There maybe 75 kids signed out of Metro Atlanta, but there's that five or 10 elite, elite athletes that could go to Clemson or could go to Alabama or could go to any place they wanted to go. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the one thing I think that's kind of helping to that is the fact of the college football hall of fame being right there in down Atlanta. Uh, it is exactly, or not exactly. It is right in between ladies Benz and state farm arena. And so, you know, college coaches and players and all that are coming through there. And, you know, uh, Vern Lundquist used to talk about when he would come to Alabama do Alabama games, he would keep up with local teams. Well, you know that college coaches has got to be doing the same thing when they go into Georgia Tech to play uh, Georgia State. or yep. you know, a, lot of, a lot of uh, people don't realize this, but a lot of people will actually stay in Atlanta and drive up to uh, Athens to watch University of Georgia play because it's not yep. – 45 minute drive and uh you know that's not being a huge place and your stadium selling out at a hundred thousand people there's only so many hotels you can book i've uh i've said i've done that before i've stayed in atlanta and went to you know well, back when adult beverages were a part of my life we would stay in atlanta and drive over to athens that saturday morning uh i did i did before we want to get off uh of the braves in the new stadium even though the train's not there, Howie, the interstate um, system that they built for the Braves, it's kind of neat that you it flows one way for game day and one way when a game lets out. So they spent um, money on the infrastructure to make it in, easy for you to get in and out of the baseball games too. Well, absolutely. You know, they got that bypass, and it does us great when we go – Sundays for the Falcons game, just hop on the bypass and or the uh, toll road, and off we go, you know. And and it's usually open as we're going in, and then when we're leaving, it's open coming out. And uh, you know, you, I don't think Truist Park could be any closer to the interstate than where they're at right now, because you're on, you're you're in a corner of seventy five, two eighty five, and eighty five. I mean, yeah. you can be on the interstate for a couple of minutes, and uh, and it's. You know, Depending on where you park, we we know this for a fact. Yes, we actually had to walk across seventy five to get to the stadium the first time we went, and the second time we went. Yeah, that first time was my fault though. I get, I, I I got us parking. I just didn't realize how far it was from the stadium. Right, but you, you know, until you go, and people has asked me because they know I, 
I go to Atlanta every once in a while to watch a game. And so they'll ask me about it, and I'm like, hey, try to get there early and try to get at these certain decks to park at because if you don't, you're going to be across 75. And uh, it, it is a long walk, especially on a hot summer afternoon. Um, you're wore out by the time you get there. I have left my house, which is in Hickson, outside of Chattanooga, and been at Tourist Park an hour and 15 minutes. It is such an easy drive. It's about, it's probably between 90 and 100 miles. Uh, if you run, if you, I always put it, excuse me, Georgia State Troopers, don't give me tickets. I always put it nine miles over and you get into Georgia, you're cruising at 79 and you're just, uh, and until you get to that area of the, there's no nice way to say it. It's a boring, empty interstate usually until you get into Atlanta. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, man, we got about uh, 25 more minutes. And again, we're going to record. We probably are just going to release this next Monday night as we record it with Jamon. A Falcons review, complete coverage of the Falcons draft. Uh, but Howie and I are going to side road for the next 20 minutes, Howie. And I want to I want to talk about the draft a little bit. I want to talk about free agency a little bit, but I want to talk about what I think everything put together has taught us about the Falcons. And, and I'm going to start at quarterback. Uh, they draft Damon, uh, Desmond Ritter in the third round. I believe that's what the pick they or second round. I do believe that's the pick they got for the Titans from Julio for Julio. Um, that tells me that Marcus Mariota right now is considered a very short-term fix, but this is like a one-year audition for him to see, can he be the solution? He's only 28 years old. If he comes in and plays lights out, I think they'll be more willing to uh, extend him but I also think if he comes and he doesn't play well, his Atlanta tenure will be short. Well, absolutely. I think that's the reason they only him to a two-year deal because I think they felt like they were going to get a quarterback either in this past draft, the 2022 draft, or the next year's draft, which is heavy, heavy, heavy on quarterbacks coming out next year if, if everybody comes out that they expect. Uh, you know, the one thing about Ritter that I didn't know, but I did – see the other day was he ran the fastest 40 at the combine he did he's very athletic and so you know you got and it could be one of those deals where Mariota and Ritter could kind of do like Mariota and uh Derek Carr did in the Raiders out out in Las Vegas each one of them have their own special package of plays uh of course I I'm a true believer that if you got two quarterbacks you don't have one at all but with Ritter being a rookie, you wouldn't have to throw him to the fire all at once. You could bring him in on special situations to play quarterback, just kind of get his feet wet. You will see. Uh, and, and, and how many how many times have you saw the the second quarterback ends up playing at some point anyway during the year just because of injuries? Uh, I, I have a feeling we'll get a little bit of Ritter. Uh, I felt like the Falcons were really super high on Filippo Franks. Um, 
but I don't think they're high on him as in a future starter, but they have him there in the quarterback room as an athlete and as a third quarterback. Is that the way you read the situation? I do because he lined up pretty much everywhere last year. He was on special teams a lot. He was, uh, he ran quarterback. I think the wild, I think I called it the wild Falcon last year. Uh, he was at quarterback. Um, he was lined up and played tight end. He was all over the place last year. And so, you know, you got, you got Marcus Mariota, you got, uh, Desmond Red, you got Felipe Franks and you got the draft pick that they, that they got in the second round, Troy Anderson, that played quarterback in college. So he could end up being that, Ritter was a third rounder. You're right. Go ahead. Yeah, but you know, you could have the Troy Anderson in there as a fourth quarterback. We know play linebacker, but you never know what may happen. All right. Let, let's uh, and I do want to talk about Troy Anderson for a second, and we will really break him down when we have Jermaine on. But um the Falcons Cut Mike Davis and drafted uh, Algiers from BYU. Resigned uh, Cordell Patterson, signed Damian Williams, and brought Quadre Ellison back. I, I think Algiers, as a fifth round pick, is someone who could come in and make an impact to this football team. Uh, Cordell has his role, Damian Williams has his role. But Algiers is just one of those bad intention, third down and three running kind of running backs. Do you see it like I do that Algiers, if, if, first of all, he's got to play well, but if he does play well, there's opportunities in that backfield for him. Well, absolutely. Between him, I think it's going to be between him and Ola as far as being that third down and one, third down and two back as far as the power back. Uh, I like Mike Davis, don't get me wrong. He had lost a step, and the hole would be there, but he would be a split second too late and miss it. And, uh, and the way the way the Falcons blocked wasn't exactly his cup of tea. Right, absolutely. Uh, so you know, Gary would actually come in, and him and Olson could be vying for that third down because we know on third and one, third and two, we're not going to be in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, the only way he's going to be in the backfield is they're running a wild falcon somehow, and uh, which that's possible too. But you you never know. But I think it could be between those two as far as who's going to be the third down power back because every team has got that third down power back, third one, third and two, and so it could come down between those two. Now, um, and before we get over to the defensive side, which again, everybody join us Monday night here, and also like and follow us. Smash that like and follow us. Stay with us, man. There's a lot of quality. Enter- How we went, we make a lot of quality entertainment on this network, and we have a lot of followers. But unfortunately, we need you to go to YouTube and subscribe to this channel. It really helps us. If we're going to continue to bring you this level of programming, we need you to support us by following us on Facebook, following us on YouTube. Please, please, please. Howie, uh, let's 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 go to all the other positions, and we'll end up at wide receiver. The Falcons, while not heavily going towards offensive line, do dip back on offensive line and takes a tight end, a blocking tight end from Georgia, a guard from Georgia, uh, 
it's obvious the Falcons are not settled on that O line yet. No, they can't be. I, the only the only two positions I think that is in stone right now is uh, Jake Matthews and um, uh, McGarry. I think I think he got the fifth fifth year option. He did, and, and, and he played well enough to. He's a starter. Yeah, and, and I think the kid from Michigan more than likely is a starter. Mayfield, uh, Hennessy. I think. Uh, if they can find another center, I think they would go a different direction and move Hennessy to a a guard somewhere. I think that's more of his fit than being an actual center. He got pushed around being a center, and that's something you don't need to do or can't let happen. So, yeah, you know, they drafted the Justin Schaefer, the guard out of Georgia, and uh, everybody's up in the air because Falcons actually drafted two Georgia players this year. Uh, that normally don't happen. That's something that me and you have discussed on here and, and on phone calls as well. Uh, the one thing that Atlanta fans fan base is upset about is they don't get the Georgia players like they they feel like they want. So uh, you know. But anyway, going with jo- Justin Schaefer, uh, they got a couple of free agents that came in. Uh, you know, during this free agent period, that could be playing for a, a spot on the offensive line as well. And you feel like if Schaefer sticks, Lindstrom's days is number. Yeah, um, I think it is anyway because of the fact that they didn't pick up that fifth year option. Uh, most of the time, when a rookie is out there, and or not a rookie, but a new player is out there, and he's on his rookie contract, and they don't pick up that fifth year option, you know he's not going to be there that next year. Right, unless he has a great year now. Right. The Falcons can still tag him right. another year, but uh, unlikely. All right, man, let's let's move to, of course, the tight end from Georgia. Just our uh, John Fitzpatrick caught seven passes. He's not there to catch passes. There's a guy named uh, Kyle Pitts. I think he'll probably get 99% of the, percent of the passes targeting a, a tight end. But let's start. Uh, can't, can't avoid it. Got to get to it now. The night of the draft, it was a very blah reaction in Atlanta to the drafting of Drake London. <laughs> I have did my due diligence as a media representative and as a fan of the Falcons. I'm okay with the pick. And let me tell you why, Howie. The Falcons at best, are a mediocre team right now. I think they went and took the best football player available because there are so many holes. This is the surest guy that's going to be a star or is going to be a productive football player. And and that's not a bad strategy for a team that's in a rebuild. Yeah, uh, I'm not going to lie about it. He's from U.S. USC comes on my TV on Saturday nights at 8.39 o'clock. You're in bed. This fat boy is asleep already for an hour. Yeah. So I'm going to take your guy, Rob's word for it. Yeah. Rob's word for it. Being the second coming of Julio Jones 2.0. He is a huge USC fan. He's probably watched more USC. He watched more of a USC game in one game than I probably have my whole life. So uh, he, you know, he knows them as well as you know, the Tennessee volunteers. 
And if he believes in them, then I'm going to believe in them, give them the benefit of the doubt and, you know, wait and see what happens. But as far as what you said, I agree with you 100%. They took the best all-around football player that was on the draft board. So many, so many holes we, you could have felt there, filled there. But I do think there's some risk inherently at some of the positions, especially offensive line, defensive line. Uh, we've invested heavily in those picks in the past to be burned. Uh, and it seems like those skill, outside skill people, cornerbacks, wide receivers, they're almost, if you get a good one, it's it's at a rate higher than the big people. Mm-hmm. But in the second round, they turned to what we uh, thought they would turn to. Hold on a second. You need something. Yes. Don't turn. Yes. The uh, We're getting ready to go on vacation, so the daughter's got to get clothes ready. Uh, the Falcons takes a rush in from Penn State in the second round, a rush in from uh, Western Kentucky in the fourth round, and in the middle, our boy Brett Anderson, we already talked about, is sandwiched. They went a long ways to try to get athletic, long, and able to rush the passer up front, Howie. You're 100% right as far as the Falcons going after offensive and defensive linemen early on in the draft. It hasn't panned out, uh, especially on the defensive line. You know, the best defensive lineman they've had in the last several years has been Grady Jarrett, and he's a field-round pick. Uh, the best, you know, they went after Vic Beasley and uh, Marlon Davidson and all those guys. Davidson's still kind of a work in progress, but all these others haven't panned out. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure Jamal Anderson or uh, what's the kid from UCLA are even in the league anymore. Pat McKinley. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, we took chances on that. They didn't, it didn't pan out. I feel like what they're going to do is try to get by with these guys at the, at the moment. Next year, there's some big stud defensive linemen that's going to be free agents. And I feel like we're going to try to buy a championship. All that count space we got. Well, that being said, Arnold, I'm going to say his name wrong, Ibikta, uh we drafted 38th overall, had a, a, a mid to high-end first-round pick. He kind of slid, and you did see the Falcons move up, like when he slid a couple of spots and went, yeah. Uh, so he was somebody they targeted, they liked. Um uh, there's a lot of difference in draft equity at 38 and seven. Yeah. That's so, right. Go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I disagree with you. I, I agree 100%. So they traded their second and a fourth to move up. And uh, just a little bit about him. I read, I don't know if it's this article. Um, he is a thicker, maybe a bull rush speed rush where the kid from Western that they took um, in the fourth round, D'Angelo Malone is an outside linebacker, but you might see him put his hand down and rush the quarterback on third down. Uh, He's definitely an athlete had 
17 and a half tackles for loss last year, Howie. Yeah, the uh, Dr. E, as he's calling himself now, I think, or Dr. A, I can't remember which one, but the uh, kid out of Penn State, the Arnold, uh, you know, a lot of things I've read saying that he's probably a day one starter, that he's that good. He's that, uh, I would think. Yeah, uh, you know, he's uh, he had nine and a half sacks last year with 62 tackles with Penn State. And so, you know, that, that's huge. Uh, nine and a half sacks is nearly all that the Falcons had total last year as a team. And so, you know, if you're a defensive player and you want to make the money, come to Atlanta, get on that defensive line and go after that quarterback. Uh, the other kid you talk about, uh, uh, D'Angelo Malone. D'Angelo Malone, you know, I'm looking right here. He had, a uh, he had 94 tackles and 17 and a half sacks last season. I'm, I'm sorry, 94 tackles and 17 and a half tackles for loss last season. 17 and a half tackles loss, meaning he's getting in the backfield. He's making offensive linemen go backwards when you need them to. So I'm gonna, I found the quote, and I think that's great. I think you're right on the money. Here's what Pro Focus Football said about Dr. E. He is one of the most NFL-ready edge rushers in the class. He can start in the league tomorrow with his, how technical and proficient he is. His athleticism is on the higher end. He is not an elite athlete at some times, but consider that he is still young, young and he is still growing and he's still learning the position. He is one of the more technically gifted pass rushers in the draft. So, I, I, you know, I almost feel like maybe they went and got, I mean, it, He's a little different breed uh, than than some of the guys we've drafted before, and he's mature. He's twenty three years old, um, so let's give it a shot, man. I'm I'm all about it. I've been thinking about whose jersey I'm going to buy this year. I, I might I might be all in on a doctor. It's if let's make a bet. If he has more than eight sacks in 2022, I will wear his jersey in 23. Eight sacks. You still ain't paid me for the last bet with uh, Vic Beasley. I'm him. probably never going to pay you for it, but that uh, that's a this is a new bet, new day. But anyway, uh, Dr. E there, looking at him, looking at video and all that, he really reminds me. Same stature, same size, it seems like John Abraham. And we know what John Abraham did for Atlanta for several years coming in as a free agent. All right. Yes. And I was going to use the John Abraham uh, comparison, but I thought you probably would uh, before it was over with. So good call. Brett Anderson. Troy Anderson. Look at that again. I got Brett. I got Troy. Troy Anderson, linebacker, Montana State. Oh, I got a different, I got a different, too many Andersons. I got, I got the Brad Anderson pulled up for place for the Bengals. Uh, Troy Anderson comes to Montana State as a, not as an everything. Yeah, that, freshman year, they're desperate for a running back, so he's a starting running back. Yeah. The next year, they're desperate for a quarterback, so he's a starting quarterback. The COVID, and, and you know, I kind of read into it a little more. 
the COVID year, he kind of gets with somebody that goes, if you're going to play in the NFL, it's going to be at linebacker where we recruited for. And he basically goes to linebacker. I got to think if this kid, if this was now, this is a kid that's in the portal going from Montana State to Alabama or somewhere like that to play at a high level. But he is just a freakish athlete. Um, 6'4", and and I don't want to say it until I find it. 6'4", 235, and how I think he ran into four fives. I may it may have been four six, but six four two thirty five and four fives. You're moving. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I'm reading a stat right here. It says uh, at Montana State he played running back, scoring thirty three career touchdowns, quarterback, and there was a linebacker. So you know this this guy is uh, you know they also said he could be the second. Unicorn, the Falcons got behind uh, Kyle Pitts, you know. So, uh, but it seems like this guy, this cat, can do everything, and that's what you want. That is what I call a true athlete, a true athletic player. So, you forty know, time NFL combine, combine clock, official timing, two four four two. Wow. That, uh, if you want speed on defense, that's speed right there. At 4-2, he could be the outside linebacker. If they split out the, a tight end or a, a, a slot receiver, he can cover them. He can stay in the vicinity and help cover that person. And he should be able to fly all over the football field and make tackles at that speed. Amond uh, Sauce Gardner, the number one cornerback to come off of the – Draft board ran a four four one. <laughs> uh, Kyle Hamilton, the number one safety off the board. I, I want to say he didn't run. I, I think, I think we're going to find out that that Anderson ran a faster forty than than Kyle Hamilton ran a four five six. So, yeah, number one cornerback outrunning by one hundredth of a second. He outran the number one safety by a tenth of a second unicorn numbers, as you say. And those two guys that you want to spoke about smaller guys, this guy is what? Six, three, two, four, Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, you put him and pits on the same field, you know, we may have a unicorn on offense and defense both. Yeah, well, and let's not forget about the other unicorn in Drake London. Uh, yeah. The one thing that impressed me that Rod said about Drake London is he could have started on the – he, if he would have focused on a the basketball team, he would have been a 30-minute player a night. So that shows you what kind of athlete he is. But I, when we talk about these shows we kind of throw together at the last minute, they're, my, they're the funnest shows we do. I swear <laughs> – just get on here. And this is, this is the same for folks that that aren't in my car with us when we drive to work or when I drive to work. Same conversation we have most days in my forty-minute drive home. So uh, a good show, a lot of enjoyment. But again, I want to hit to everybody. Please, please like and subscribe. We need we need some more subscribers, especially on YouTube. We're on the verge 
of uh, doing something big over there. So please like and subscribe to us. And uh, again, we'll continue with Off the Record, which will be the Spanish football show sometimes, Off the Record sometimes. Jeremy Johnson will join us, and we'll do a wrestling show sometimes. But as we get uh, closer to football season, I think the plan is to move the Sylvania football show into its own time slot, maybe earlier in the week. Uh, Howie, I think that's what we discussed doing. Yeah, you know, for for a little behind the scenes, uh, pull the curtain back a little bit, as they say in wrestling. Uh, this morning at 7.15, 7.25, I got a phone call from Randy. Hey, let's do a Falcons draft show tonight. Let's talk about it and all that. He gets the phone call. So, hey, I'll call you back. Five hours later, he calls me. He says, hey, um, let's do this tonight and all this stuff. And I said, ah, oh, that sounds good. Fifteen minutes before we go on the air, he calls me and says, hey, let's do this show tonight. So we have all this stuff is basically off the cuff, just making it up as we go and talking about it as we go. No research because – what we're going to be talking about. And we want to leave plenty of meat on the bone for that uh, Falcons draft special with your mom, because he's always so entertainment and that, that might go a little bit too. So, uh, yeah. And you saw, we uh, about get on possibly again, you know, WWE has a pay-per-view coming on Sunday night, uh, WWE backlash, uh, WrestleMania backlash. Uh, we may watch it and have a show about it. Thursday. Yeah, yeah, we, we might do that and then have a – I think we talked about Sylvania the next week. So, folks, we – believe it or not, we put a lot of thought into this. <laughs> but sometimes at the last minute it changes. And, and this truly was I, – I called him – I called you at 6.45 my time and went, yeah, let's not do a Falcons draft show and then do another Falcons draft show. Let's just talk about Atlanta Pro Sports. And that's where we ended up. And, hey, we went an hour and two minutes and could probably go another 20 minutes and still be going. So, But I'm going to wrap her up, Howie. Last words from you. Hey, man, enjoy your vacation. Have a good time. Be safe. Going to Nashville, folks, to see Megadeth with Anna Lee, my daughter, and I'm so excited. She's a huge – and you can see that's her dryer going. She's got to get clothes ready. But for Howie Chaney and Randall Cunningham, this is your off-the-record. We'll see you Monday night with Jermaine Jam on the Falcons Draft Wrap-Up. Good night and be safe.